Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour on this big day in Philadelphia. Just a normal Wednesday in January, but we got a big press conference coming today from the Philadelphia Eagles with Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni and their end-of-the-season presser. A lot of people are excited about this. The Eagles still haven't given us a time yet about when that press conference will be. I highly doubt they're going to give us anything at this press conference. We'll talk about it. I want to get some questions from you guys on what you would ask. So I want to talk about that in a few minutes. But we'll get the time of that press conference. I'll be tuned in. We'll talk about it tomorrow. But you know it's going to be a lot of cliches, a lot of collaborative collaboration, not playing up to our standard. You know, we're going to get all that crap. But maybe we can get some nuggets there. But we got to talk about that. We got to talk about an offensive coordinator that was interviewed by the Philadelphia Eagles. I want to talk about the Flyers. Unfortunately, the great story that the Flyers were. Some interesting things coming out of South Philly with the Flyers. We got to talk about Reese Hoskins. We got to talk about the Sixers. And Doc Rivers potentially going to a big Eastern Conference rival, please. So a lot to talk about today. And like we are joined every Wednesday, we'll be joined by Kayla Santiago. Does a great job covering the Sixers. So we'll talk to her about the 76ers. I want to get some questions to her. She also does a good job with the Eagles. So figure out who she would talk to, what her questions would be down at the Novacare Complex. But I see my Power Hour crew checking in. We're live on the Jacob Sports Network on YouTube. We are live here on TikTok as well. But let's get a little roll call. I see Jim G in the house. Twiz, Teresa, Wine Niners Wine, my man, Big D, Jason A Team, Invincible, William Stark, Steve Patton, Steve Ike, WCBJJ, Daytime Frank, Barbara Carroll, Stan Bruce, Elliot Jesser. Appreciate all you guys in the house today. Steve Patton saying I'm a gym rat. Steve, if you would have seen me when I played college ball, man, I was about 245. I was a lot bigger. Trying to stay lean now. Thin is in. Thin is in, is like I like to say. But, yeah, I used to be a big boy, man. Big meathead back in the day. But let's jump right in. Before we get into the Philadelphia Eagles news, because that will probably take up a majority of the show today. Let's talk about our Flyers really quickly. They lose their third in a row last night to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Really could never get going. Gave up a goal early in that game and were battling back the whole game. Couldn't do it. They lose 6-3. Good news, Jamie Drysdale gets his first goal in a Flyers uniform. 
But now they've lost three in a row for the first time since November 1st. But that's not the big news coming out of South Philadelphia last night. The big news is Carter Hart takes an indefinite personal leave of absence. And there's a lot of speculation about what that's about. We don't have to get into that. You guys can Google it. A lot of people are concerned this has to do with an incident that occurred when he was on the Canadian junior team. So we will see. Maybe we find out more today. I did read earlier that Danny Briere may be also having a press conference, which will get steamrolled by the Eagles press conference. But I'm not sure we're going to learn much more today or not on the Carter Hart situation. But I don't want to speculate. I just hope it is not with regard to that incident that happened, I believe, back in 2019 when he was on the junior junior Canadian team. But Owen Tippett was also placed on IR. He was playing really well. Not a huge deal. Not a huge deal because they can backdate that until Sunday, which means he's got to be out for nine days. So the nine days would be up. He'd miss two more games. So hopefully they can get him back. But in other news, we never really talk Phillies on the show, but we could talk some Philadelphia Phillies. Sad news if you're a Philly fan. Reese Hoskins. Signs a two-year, $34 million deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, he has an opt-out after one year. So if he has a really good season, he makes $17 million. He can opt out and get back on the free agent market. Now, I love Reese. I know all of us love Reese. That bat spike two years ago in the postseason will be something we always remember when you think of Reese Hoskins. But there was just no room for him on this team. With Bryce Harper playing first base, when you have Rojas in center field, Brandon Marsh in left field, Castellanos in right field, Schwarber becomes your DH. There was just no spot for Reese Hoskins in this lineup, unfortunately. As much as I like him, as much as you guys like him, there was just no spot for him on this team. So I'm happy for Reese. I'm glad he's going to make $17 million this year. I think he made $12 million last year with the Phillies. So good for him. But Reese Hoskins will be on the Milwaukee Brewers. And now speaking of Milwaukee, let's transition to the NBA very quickly. Because the Milwaukee Brewers fire first-year head coach Adrian Griffin after 43 games. He was 30-13. and 13. Through his first 43, they fire him. And now all of the rumors are, it got confirmed last night, and then they pulled back on the confirmation that Doc Rivers, Glenn Doc Rivers, is going to be the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Please, please, I am praying to make that happen. Because tell me it would not be poetic justice if in the second round of the NBA playoffs you get the 76ers going up against the Milwaukee Bucks and Doc Rivers and we finally get over that hump. We finally get out of the second round and we do it by beating Glenn Doc Rivers. Make that happen, please. I'm praying you, Milwaukee, hire Doc Rivers, 
We need something in this city. After what we just saw with the Phillies heartbreak in the postseason, with the way the Philadelphia Eagles season ended, we got all excited about the Flyers, and now we got all this issue going on with Carter Hart, and they lose three in a row. Give us something good. Hire Doc Rivers. Please. I'm begging you, Milwaukee. Be incredible, wouldn't it? But other news from the NBA that's not as great for us as Doc Rivers is the Heat make a trade yesterday. We talked a little bit about it on Sports Take, if you guys were there yesterday. But the Heat trade Kyle Lowry to the Charlotte Hornets for Terry Rozier, a scoring guard. I want to talk to Kayla about that when she joins the show because we know how good the Heat are once the playoff starts, and now they get a score. So now there's another team in the Eastern Conference. I don't think there's any one super dominant team in the Eastern Conference that's guaranteed to get to the NBA Finals. I think the Celtics are probably the best of the bunch, but this is a wide open race in the Eastern Conference. You have the Celtics. You have the Bucks, you have the Miami Heat, you have the Indiana Pacers with Halliburton and now Pascal Skiakum, and you have the Sixers. So this should be a fun NBA playoffs this year. There's not that one dominant team, but Terry Rozier on the Heat, big trade for them. Big trade. And I see some people on TikTok saying that Doc Rivers did, in fact, get hired. I just haven't seen it confirmed. I saw it confirmed last night. But I haven't seen it confirmed. Let me check NBA.com right now because I have not seen them confirm it yet. They pulled back on that report last night. But let me know if you guys are here, if you can find actual confirmation that Doc Rivers is on the Milwaukee Bucks as their new head coach. And I see people saying it's confirmed. I don't see anything yet on NBA.com. And there was a report late last night that it was confirmed, but then there was a report right after that. But we'll talk to Kayla when she joins the show. Because that will make my day if that happens. But let's jump in because another thing that's going to make my day is a big press conference today down at the NovaCare Complex with Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman. And like I said, I don't think we're going to get a lot I don't think they're going to answer any of our questions straightforward. They're going to talk in circles with a lot of cliches. But I'm going to tell you three things that I would ask. Now, John McMullen from Birds 365 right here on Jacob, he'll be in the house. Not sure what he's going to ask if he has an opportunity, but this is what I would ask. And then I'm going to get some from you guys. And if we run out of time before Kayla joins the show, after we get done with Kayla, I will turn to you. And I'll get questions from you, and I'll put them on the screen. Okay, so sit tight. But here's what I would ask. Number one, the first thing I would ask of Howie Roseman, who made the decision to move on from Sean Desai with only four games left in the season and turn the defense over to Matt Patricia? That's the first question I'm asking because that decision, that desperate move was the nail in the coffin of this season. That was the nail in the coffin. They were never able to recover after that decision. Things got worse. 
the locker room got divided. And you look back, not that Sean Desai did a great job, but when Desai was the defensive coordinator, they held four teams who eventually went on to make the playoffs to under 17 points. They held the Bucks, the Rams, the Dolphins, and even the Chiefs to 17 or less. Who made that decision? I guarantee you the answer is going to be it was a collaborative decision. But I hope whoever the reporter is who asks that question doesn't let them off the hook when they say it was a collaborative decision. I want to know whose idea was that because somebody had to come up with that idea first. You weren't all sitting in the room and everybody said at the same time, let's turn the defense over to Matt Patricia. Somebody decided that, and I want to know who it was. That's number one. And I see people talking about what time is the press conference. Believe it or not, the Eagles still have not announced what time the press conference is. So if they do while we're on the air, I will tell you, but we have not yet heard what time this damn press conference is, which is even more insanity to me coming from the Novacare complex. But that's the first question I want to answer. The second question, again, keeping it with Howie Roseman. Are you going to change your philosophy of ignoring and devaluing the linebacker position after what we just watched, not only from this Philadelphia Eagles football team this season, but what we are watching in the NFL playoffs right now. We saw an Eagles defense that completely lacked personnel at the linebacker position that came into this season with really no plan outside of Nicobe Dean who we knew only played 34 defensive snaps. They tried to fill all the other spots with guys nobody wanted. We've talked about it at length on this show. Bringing in Nick Morrow, who the Bears said, sure, take him. Having to bring in Zach Cunningham and Miles Jack in the middle of training camp. Guys nobody wanted having to get desperate and go out and get Shaq Leonard, who the Colts just cut, not even to save money, just flat out cut him. And then you look at teams like the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens, guys like Fred Warner, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, even Dre Greenlaw making plays. You look at all of these divisional games that we watched on Saturday and Sunday, and linebackers making plays all over the damn field. Howie, that's my question for him. Will you change your philosophy? Will you realize the era of your ways? And can we expect you to fix that linebacker position this offseason? That's another question I want to know the answer to. And then my final question is for Nick Sirianni. And that question for Nick is, we now know that Brian Johnson will no longer be the offensive coordinator of this football team. But we heard all season long that this was your offense. Your offense. You told us that 
time and time again. So now that you're going to turn the keys to the offense over to a new offensive coordinator, and we could talk about some candidates. There was a report they interviewed Cliff Kiff. Man, tongue twister. Let's just go to Jim Bob Cooter. I like that name better. Cliff Kingsbury they interviewed, but we'll talk about that. But now that you're going to turn the keys over to another offensive coordinator, are you going to give that offensive coordinator more autonomy to run the offense he wants to run? Are you going to let that coordinator game plan the way he wants to game plan, call plays the way he wants to call plays? Because clearly, Brian Johnson calling your offense that you told us time and time again didn't work this year. So those are my questions. And we're going to talk to Kayla after the break, and I want to talk to her about the Eagles. I want to talk to her about the Sixers. And then after Kayla, I'm going to turn to you guys. So for the end of the show, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. And I'm going to ask you, what would you ask Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman? And I'll take those questions and we'll put them up on the screen and we'll talk about them. So stay tuned. Don't give me your questions yet. We'll do it after we talk to Kayla Santiago. So stay tuned, guys. Hit that like button for me. Hit that share button. We'll be right back with Kayla to talk some Eagles and Sixers. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. 
Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody, and welcome back in. To the Philly Sports Power Hour. Before we bring Kayla Santiago on, unfortunately, we were talking about Carter Hart before the break. I said that I was hoping this wasn't in relation to what happened at the World Juniors for Team Canada. Breaking news. This is from Rick Westhead. Five members of the 2018 World Junior Hockey Team have been told to surrender to London, Ontario Police to face charges of sexual assault, the Globe and Mail reports, citing unnamed sources. The Globe reports the players who have not been charged yet have been given a set period of time to present themselves at London Police Headquarters. So not great, guys. Not great. Carter Hart's name had come up with regard to that in the past, so that could explain this leave of absence, so we'll keep monitoring that, but not great news for the Philadelphia Eagles. Thankfully, Sam Erson has been playing really well at goalie, but let's hope that this doesn't turn out to be something worse for Carter Hart and all the people involved, but we'll keep monitoring that. Well, let's bring on Kayla Santiago. We'll talk some Sixers, some Eagles. What's going on, Kayla? How are you? I'm really excited for today. I've been looking forward to it ever since Joel dropped his 70. So there's a whole lot to talk about. It's been crazy sports world for the past 48 hours. So I'm super excited to get into it. And Eagles, Sixers, anything we got, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, seriously, what a few days we're having here. It's like nonstop. We should be getting ready for an NFC championship game between the Eagles and the Niners, but unfortunately that didn't happen. But let's go back because you and I haven't had a chance to talk. 70 points by Joel Embiid. How incredible was that performance? I mean, it just seems impossible what he does sometimes. And you look at it, and it's so easy for him to score. I think when it's all said and done, he might be talked about in the conversations as one of the top scorers scorers ever to play the game in the NBA. But you look at Joel Embiid right now, and there's been so many conversations. Well, he had 23 free throw attempts. In Giannis's career night, Giannis had 32. The difference is Joel made 21 out of 23 of them. He hit a bunch of threes. He was able to do everything from inside out. On top of that, just the rebounds, the assists. I mean, it's crazy to see. And, you know, I followed the Sixers for a really long time and just kind of Joel's journey when he started playing basketball at 16 years old. The thing that was so exciting for me is that they played the Spurs. Brett Brown's an assistant for the Spurs. And I know that people don't love him, but Brett Brown, his job is to develop players, right? And you look at Brett Brown at this point and you say, 
That's what he did with Joel Embiid. That's how Joel Embiid is who he is today. Brett Brown knows his role. He knows that once they have to get over the hump, that's not his expertise, but he helped Joel being able to develop. And just seeing that picture of them hugging and Rocco there and Furcon, it was just a fantastic moment. I can't stop talking about it. And then the better thing is I was looking and I was scrolling through the statistics as Cat had a 60-point game and he had 62 points. There's eight minutes left to go. And I'm like, please don't ruin Joel's night. So you're scrolling through. I think the best part about it, too, though, that it was on the anniversary, 2006, Kobe gets 81 points. I mean, Kobe had to be looking down in some aspect there to be like, okay, guys, you know, let's let's get this tonight. But it's just so exciting. It's so exciting to see. It was in Philadelphia, which I also think is a fantastic part as well. Yeah, that was really cool. And then seeing the photo after of a young Joel Embiid wearing the Kobe Bryant jersey, that was really, really cool. And Carl Anthony Towns in a losing effort puts up 62 and gets ripped by his coach. So a lot better feel in Philly with the big win, 70-point performance. And before we move on to some other stuff, because we got to talk some other Sixers stuff, I talked to Rob Ellis yesterday on Sports Take about this. I went through the names of the nine players in the history of the NBA who have scored 70 points, and there were some names not on that list that I found shocking. Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Never got 70 points. He got 69 points, but never 70. LeBron James never got 70 points. Shaq never had mm-hmm. 70 points. And, you know, here in Philly, we got to talk about AI. AI never had 70 points. Which one of those names surprises you the most that they never dropped 70 in a game? It's definitely Jordan, because I just think at that time he was taking over the league so much. I also think LeBron, too, because he's had so many high-scoring games. But it takes so much to be able to do that. And this is the thing, right? You look at those names on the list that people that have done it, and you say, who's really going to go down as a really top player in the league when it's all said and done? Donovan Mitchell, no disrespect to him whatsoever. He had a 70-point game throughout his career, and he's on that top nine. He's not going to go down as, though Donovan Mitchell, one of the best guards to ever play the game, right? But to be able to do that is such a skill set. Donovan Mitchell did it. Devin Booker did it in recent memory as well. And Joel Embiid does it. I mean, it's crazy to think that those guys didn't because they've taken over the league for so long. It just goes to show how special of a player Joel is. Because not only did he do that, he's averaging more points than he did in his MVP season. 36.6 points per game. You add the assists. You add the rebounds. I just really hope he stays healthy because just watching him take over the league right now, it's so exciting to watch because just watching him develop, watching a period of Sixers time when he went from 2001 all the way to when Joel started with no superstar, and then you look at Embiid and you say, okay, well, this is really time to shine. It's so exciting for me to watch. And honestly, I'm surprised that you know LeBron didn't do it either. I'm surprised that those guys didn't do it because I've surely thought that they would. And I know Wilt had 100, but technically that was with the Philadelphia Warriors in 1962. So, And then in 63, he had more 70-point games because he was on the tear back then. But that's definitely surprising to me as well. Yeah, Wilt was playing a different era, a, a different era. So here's the problem that I'm hearing from a lot of Philadelphia 76ers fans, and I got to keep reminding myself not to fall into this trap either, that we are so worried about what's going to happen in the playoffs and whether or not this Sixers team can get past the second round that I think a lot of fans are failing to appreciate the greatness that we are watching right now on the hardwood from Joel Embiid. He's putting up an average every night more than he did in his MVP season last Mm -hmm. year. He's doing this stat was the one I found the craziest. 
He's played 1,096 minutes this season, and he scored 1,156 points. We may be watching one of the greatest seasons of all time in NBA history, but too many Sixers fans are, ah, do it in the playoffs. What do you say to those Sixers fans? I, I think it's interesting, and Joel said it best himself when he played Nikola Jokic. He said, Nikola is the best right now because he's gone to the finals and he's won a finals MVP. When you look back at it, just think about the players that are so good right now, besides Joel Embiid, that have not won an NBA championship. James Harden being one, that's probably going to tear his legacy down because, look, James Harden with Houston scoring back-to-back 50 points a game a night was fantastic. But when you look at it, you're saying, okay, who are you comparing him to? He doesn't have an NBA title. Jimmy Butler, I think I love Jimmy Butler as a player. I love his game. I love what he does. He doesn't have an NBA championship either. So that's something that I think they're always going to hang over his head. But I agree with you. I think at this point, you look at just greatness. And we do this with every single fantastic athlete. You look at Tom Brady, and people don't appreciate Tom Brady until he's gone, what he was able to do in the NFL. He could have two Hall of Fame careers in one. It's absolutely crazy what he was able to do through two-plus decades, right? You look at LeBron James, what he's able to do at this level of his age. People don't appreciate it because, oh, he's the GOAT. He's the best. He's winning so much. They're tired of it. But then when he retires, people are going to say, wow, I miss watching LeBron. You have to be present with Joel Embiid right now, especially if you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan because the last time you could appreciate a superstar was when I was one years old in 2001. So it's been a really, really, really long time to be able to see a superstar in Philadelphia. But I do think it is fair to kind of judge him on that because he said it best himself. He's not going to be the best until he gets there and beats the best. And right now, I think Joel is a better scorer than Nikola Jokic. But right now, Nikola, you look at it and you say, he's got the NBA title over Joel Embiid. That's what he has right now. And that's something that I think Joel wants. And I love him saying that because you can see that it's more than just an MVP season this year. He wants to get there. And to him, that's his eventual goal. And it's great that he wants to do it with Philadelphia. Well said, Kayla. And you got a lot of fans in the chat, people saying you need your own show. I'll tell you what. I saw you posted something on Twitter of you doing some play-by-play, I think, for Delmarva Sports. Mm -hmm. You're really damn good at that, Kayla. So if you guys haven't checked her out, she does a great job talking about sports. But doing the play-by-play, pretty damn good. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. I actually love it for basketball, too. I'm able to do some Blue Coats games because Matt Murphy, he does a fantastic job, but he gets pushed up for Sixers sometimes for Sixers radio, you know, when Tom McGinnis might be out or they have to do a few switches. He also does social media for the Sixers. So it is fun when he gets pushed up and I kind of get to slide in that chair because I'm doing the G League, the players that could be on the Philadelphia 76ers or really make standouts in the NBA one day. So I love it. I've been doing it a lot since college, and it's just so fun to kind of be in that seat, be in the action. You feel like you're right there, the prep work. There's nothing. There's no feeling like it, to be honest with you. Well, don't forget about us little guys, because Kayla Santiago <laughs> is going places. You heard she said she was only one years old in 2001, making me feel old. <laughs> but you are going places. And I want to talk to Kayla about the Eagles, but before we do, guys, stay tuned. I know you want to get her points on the Eagles, but some more NBA news. So two things I have to talk to you about. Biggest one, and me and you were talking a little on Twitter last night, Doc Rivers, is that has that been confirmed? Is he being the new head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks? So it's really interesting, right? Because you go back to your sources and you see, okay, Woj and Shams are usually the guys you go to to kind of have news like this. So the first breaking news I saw of it on Twitter was last night, and I had the laughing emoji to Bleacher Report. 
And then later on, I'm kind of scrolling through my Twitter, kind of see the sources. Everybody's retweeting it. NBA Central's on it. NBA TV's on it. But then one reporter from CBS came out, and she's an NBA insider, and said, the reports have been falsified. There is no done deal yet. To me, that kind of just means there's been no pen to paper. Maybe there's still the negotiation stage. But it's absolutely nuts what's happening right now. And clearly, there was just a locker room effect right now between Giannis and Dame and the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Because you're telling me they lose the play-in tournament, then they're able to win seven straight as of late, and they're second in the East, and you're going to go and fire your head coach? I feel bad for the guy, and who knows what happened. There might be a story that comes out a little bit later, kind of like the Celtics did. I, of course, hope that's not the case. But at this time right now, I mean, it's a laughing stock to me if Doc Rivers gets hired because that, to me, makes the Bucks not as much of a threat in the playoffs because Doc cannot win in the playoffs. And he's proven, even with superstars, even with superstars, besides that Celtics team that won for themselves when they had Rajon Rondo, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce, who doesn't win with that team, right? But you're talking about only having – two superstars and only one that's in his prime right now. It's going to be funny if they hire Doc Rivers. And honestly, I want them to because I would love to see Nick Nurse take down Doc Rivers in the playoffs if that's what it's able to happen for the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't get it. I really don't understand it. I don't think that he's the right fit. And I'm never calling for anybody's job. I'm sure Doc's a great person. Don't know him personally. He's been doing good with the analyst stuff. But right now, I mean, I'm surprised that the Bucks watched the Sixers last year and said, this is the guy I want to hire. But then again, you're trying to find a head coach midseason, which Doc Rivers might be the best available. It would be poetic justice for the Sixers and the Bucks to meet in the second round and the Sixers to finally get over that hump against Doc Rivers. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm <laughs> hoping for. But some other news coming out of the NBA yesterday. Big trade for the Miami Heat. They send Kyle Lowry to Charlotte in exchange for Terry Rozier, good scoring guard. What do you think of that move? What does that do for the Heat? Does that make them a real contender now? No, I'm really surprised about it, to be honest. And I know that a lot of people might not agree with me on this. Kyle Lowry is an NBA champion. He brings something that none of the players on the Miami Heat, none of the stars, I should say, really have. Jimmy Butler has not gotten there. Bam Adebayo has not gotten there either. I think that he is a really good piece that they could have. And Terry Rozier, to me, I'm curious how he's going to fit into this offense. I think it'll work well. I think that he's a good piece to add a Lowry I know that he's not the guy that he was on the Toronto Raptors I completely understand it but he is valuable when it comes playoff time he didn't perform that well in the playoffs last year and I get that but he's not the reason why they lost in the NBA championship I mean the Heat had no business being there but they have a fantastic head coach they have a great organization they have star players and they lost to the Nuggets in the NBA championship but you look at it and, you know, I might be in the minority saying that I don't love the trade. I think that Lowry brings a lot of experience. They were interviewing the players in the locker room yesterday and they said, well, it's tough when you lose an NBA champion. And yeah, it's really going to be tough once you get to the playoffs. And an NBA champion that really had a mark on his team because, yes, Kawhi Leonard is a huge reason why they won. But you look at Kyle Lowry in those Sixers series when I had to watch him completely take Ben Simmons down and it's Kyle Lowry that's this tall and Ben Simmons is this tall and somehow Lowry gets the loose ball and defends. You know, I don't love the trade for the Heat. I do think that'll give them a little bit more shooting. Rozier, I think, is a little bit more athletic at this point of his career right now. Not as much banged up. But, you know, I'm worried about it when it comes to playoff time. I think that Kyle Lowry is a piece that you want to have on your team if you can, and I don't think they got a lot back for him. So then let me ask you the next point. If you're that high on Kyle Lowry, you think the Sixers should try to get him? 
Oh no. Oh no. That's not what I'm saying. I, I knew that was coming because I look at Lowry and of course he went to Villanova. He's originally from the area. Fantastic. But no, and I only say that because you look at how the heat are constructed, right? You have a veteran in Jimmy Butler. Bam Adebayo is your youngest star. But you don't necessarily have a superstar on your team like a Joel Embiid. To me, Joel Embiid is there. And you have Tyrese Maxey. There's no reason you need to bring in Kyle Lowry. For the Sixers, they need to bring in a piece, a younger Terry Rozier, essentially, is what they need to bring in. Maybe a little bit better than that. They need to bring a wing that can spread out the floor, that can defend on the perimeter, and can get them some points from beyond the arc. That's what they need. And Kyle Lowry is just not that guy. To me... Pat Bev is what Kyle Lowry would bring to the Philadelphia 76ers at this point of his career. And I love Pat Bev on the Sixers. I think he's been fantastic. You know, I hope they keep him through the trade deadline because I definitely think he can play valuable minutes when it comes to the postseason. Yeah, you've been high on Pat Bev all season long, so that's not a surprise there. But let's talk some Eagles. It's being reported. Finally, we have a time of when the press conference is going to be. It will be at 2.30 this afternoon Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman will be meeting with the media for their end-of-the-season press conference. Before you join the show, I talked about what questions I would want answered. What's Kayla Santiago's first question to either Howie Roseman or Nick Sirianni today at the press conference? Honestly, just who are your top coordinators right now? Not that they're going to answer that, but who are you looking in to really bring into this system? Clearly, they want to keep Nick Sirianni, and that's something that it seems like they're going to do at this point right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. But just what are you looking at to bring in? Because I've seen reports everywhere, and I'm a little bit scared, to be honest, because the last thing I want is for them to bring in someone that, once again, does not have coordinator experience. So I guess the question you could frame it as, are you looking to bring in somebody that's already been in that chair before? Or are you looking to bring in somebody that maybe was a defensive backs coach and is going to come in as defensive coordinator but has a little bit of experience behind their belt? Because they're very, very different. I'm not saying that defensive backs coach out there aren't great, but I want a guy like Ron Rivera in that defensive coordinator seat. I want a guy that's going to come in that's experienced, that knows what he's talking about, You know, maybe not the best as a head coach, but knowing a defense and knowing what he can do. Are they going to do that? I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be, you know, a shift in power at all for the Philadelphia Eagles. It'll be interesting. It will be interesting. It was crazy because last season they lost both coordinators for completely different reasons because of the success they've had. And now this year we're losing both coordinators because they were fired because of the lack of success. So a lot of changes. Now you mentioned Ron Rivera. That's a guy you would like on the defensive side of the football. I said that yesterday on the show as well. I would like to see them bring in a more veteran presence on the defensive side of the ball. Rivera is a guy that would immediately be able to get credibility coming in here. He's been the head coach of two different organizations. But what I even like more about it is he's probably never getting a head coaching job again. So Mm -hmm. if Rivera comes in here and has some success, you may have him for the next four or five seasons. What do you think about on the offensive side of the football? Do you want a veteran guy on offense so that there's not that risk of them losing another coordinator? Because Jalen Hurts, going back now to his college days, has had seven different offensive coordinators over the last eight years. I want some continuity. I'm even thinking a veteran offensive coordinator so that they don't lose him again next season. What do you think? I completely agree with you. And we've talked about this before. If you're going to keep Nick Sirianni, you need to bring in pieces that are experienced and that can help him out a little bit because we saw what taking a chance on two coordinators did with a guy like Nick Sirianni, right? So 
you look at the offensive side of the ball, and I know this is a long shot, and I think he wants more of a head coaching role, but Eric Bieniemy, I love on the offensive side of the ball. I think he would be fantastic for Jalen Hurts and his development. I don't think it's going to happen because I think he wants a little bit more. And I know I keep saying it, and once again, I'm probably in the minority. I would like Frank Reg to come back to Philadelphia and be with Nick Sirianni. I think that would be really good for Nick Sirianni, just the play calling his offensive mind, what he's able to do. Now, I don't know how the dynamic would go, but listen, Doug Peterson, in some ways, him and Doug Peterson are kind of the same, and Nick Sirianni and Doug, that's what I'm talking about there. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if they try to bring him back. And they said that the only way that he would come back to coaching football is if it was with the Eagles and Nick Sirianni. Now, how true is that? We don't really know, but at the same time, he has such a good offensive mind. So you have to bring in veteran coordinators to me, especially with the defense you have right now. And I know I'm going back to the defensive side of the ball. The offense clearly needs just a good play caller, somebody that's on the same page, right? I'm not saying you have to bring in a super high veteran, but you need somebody that knows what they're doing because you have a fantastic offense going into next year, and we'll see what changes happen. But on the defensive side of the ball, you're still not going to have a great defense. You're not going to have fantastic linebackers because – well, two of them you have right now in Cunningham and Morrow are both free agents. And no, they're not fantastic by any means, but you have to go and look out for a linebacker now. And then your secondary is still banged up. So who are you going to get? What are you going to do in that position? Like, who are you going to look through throughout the draft? Are you going to look through the offseason, free agency, stuff like that? So when you look at it, I think you absolutely have to bring in coordinators that know what they're doing, that have been in that position, that maybe have not had success as a head coach but have had success at the coordinator position. Because in my opinion, I think that's the only way that Nick Sirianni should keep his job. So I think that's what has to happen next season. Were you watching the show yesterday, Kayla? Because that's, exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what I said. Those were the two names that I wanted to see them bring in. Ron Rivera as defensive coordinator, Frank Reich as offensive coordinator. I like the idea of two veteran guys who have been head coaches in this league that not only can help with regard to the offense and the defense, but can also be a sounding board for Nick Sirianni. He's a younger coach. Obviously, they had some issues when they hit some bumps in the road this past season. It'd be nice to have two veteran guys right there. And Frank Reich's another guy who's never getting a head coaching job again. I just don't mm -hmm. see it happening. Now, we talked about this yesterday on Sports Take, me and Rob Ellis, and Big Sills was in the chat saying the issue with Frank Reich is he still owed $35 million from the Carolina Panthers. So right. he may be content just saying, hey, <laughs> I don't have to work and I'm making $35 million, But if there's a guy who could get him to come back to coaching, I do think it's Nick Sirianni. But real quick, some other news. Things are happening as we are talking. Barrett Brooks was on the Dan Cilio show last night, and he talked about how Britton Covey had talked about Jalen Hurts and all those issues with his leadership. Well, Britton Covey tweets out today in mm -hmm. response to the video Jacob Sports cut and put on Twitter, normally I don't respond to things like this because I'd hope that people don't believe everything they hear and read. Jalen is the best leader I've ever been around. So you could hear it straight from me, not someone else. I never said he was unapproachable or I was scared of him. So Britton Covey coming out. In defense of Jalen Hurts, I do remember reading an article where he did say that he was unapproachable at times, but now Britton Covey's elaborating on that. I'm sorry, Kayla, keep going here. Someone asked me if Jalen's stoic personality turned people away and if he was intimidating and unapproachable, to which I basically said that I've had coaches like that in the past, but Jalen wasn't like that. And the moment you can talk with him, you realize how approachable he is. 
And then he goes on to say he doesn't get the narrative. So interesting stuff from Britton Covey responding to Barrett Brooks on the Cilio show last night. But let's talk about Jalen Hurts now that this came up. What did you see from Jalen Hurts this season? There's been leaks now, maybe not from Britton Covey, but from people saying the organization wants him to be a more vocal leader than what we've seen in the past. What did you see from Jalen this past season, and what do you want to see from him next season? Honestly, it looked like a guy that had all the tools but was completely not on the same page as his coordinator or his head coach. He just looked confused at times. And we talked about it early in the season. We said, okay, is that knee still banged up? You know, they didn't play preseason games. But it was almost like he would go to run and then stop and be kind of a deer in headlights. He just wasn't confident in his running game. Now, that got better throughout the season, but he was putting himself – in bad positions and he's done that throughout the entire season and he put his receivers in bad positions especially against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I mean it reminded me and I hate to say this a flashback of when Carson Wentz would throw to a receiver and it would be so bad to the point where they would just get completely clobbered because of how he threw it and that's what kind of Jalen did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now, I'm not comparing them at all I think Jalen is a raw talent but you know, I think he was just confused. I'm not saying I need him to be a vocal leader, but I want him to kind of make his case a little bit more. And maybe he did that. We don't really know. But clearly, he's a leader of this team. He plays very well. He's a quarterback they want to invest in. And he's the guy that they're looking at to really take this team to the next level when you have a Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. So I think if there's something going on, between Nick Sirianni or the new offensive coordinator they bring in, I would like to see him kind of step up and say, okay, well, this isn't working out. Let's try X, Y, and Z. And I know it seems like Jalen might just kind of take a step back and let the coaches do their job and he'll do his job. And I think that's just kind of how he is. But at the same time, I mean, he's got experience at this point and clearly something was going wrong throughout this season. Now, is it going to come out that he possibly has an injury or something else is going on? I don't really know, but I just need him to step up a little bit. I need him to go to the coaches and say, okay, well, guess what? We're trying all these passes. We're having an empty backfield, and we have DeAndre Swift, who when we let him go off, goes off, and I'm getting absolutely clobbered and don't know what to do because you're completely eliminating the run game. I mean, there's certain situations that Jalen has to look at the tape and say, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? And that's a conversation that I'm not saying he needs to go to Nick Sirianni and be like, do this, that, and that. But I just wish the communication was a little bit more open. And maybe it is. We don't really know. But clearly something was off last season. So I'm looking that to be a next year thing for Jalen Hurts. Kind of have that open communication. Maybe watch a little bit of film together with Nick Sirianni and the offensive coordinator and kind of really go through it. Because there was just so many instances where I really thought to myself, this team even watch any film this week? Because there's so many things going on that we know from just watching the film and being able to analyze the other games in the NFL that this team is going to do the blitz. And for whatever reason, the Eagles didn't know. The Eagles didn't put themselves in situations to be able to succeed. So you look at that and it's like, okay, well, clearly there was a mismatch there. I hope that he's a little bit more vocal from that standpoint. In terms of the locker room, well, if that's not his personality, that's not his personality. But I think he can lead in other ways. Uh, and last week on the show, I told you that now that my emotions have subsided, I wanted to see them bring back Nick Sirianni. You didn't. Now that you've had another week to think about it, are you happy Sirianni's coming back as the head coach, or would you have moved on? I'll be happy when I see who they get the coordinators are. I will be happy when I see them hopefully get an experienced offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, because if that doesn't happen, I will be miserable. I will definitely be miserable, because I look at it and I say, Look at the head coaches out there. You got the Harbaugh's, you got Bill Belichick, 
You got other guys that really want a head coaching job, Eric Bieniemy, who we mentioned. But the only way I'm comfortable of keeping Nick Sirianni is if you get two guys beside him that know what they're talking about, that are experienced, that have been in that position before. But if you don't get that, I'm not going to be happy about it because it's going to be a repeat of what happened last year. Your defense is not constructed to succeed with a younger guy that's just coming in in his first year as a defensive coordinator. It's just not. And it's not going to be magically in a snap of the fingers next year either. So it depends what happens with the OC and the DC. And if we get experience in that position, then I'll be okay with it. If not, well, I'm not going to be too happy. She is Kayla Santiago. Make sure you are following her everywhere. You can follow her on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Follow her now because you're going to be able to say one day, I remember when that Kayla Santiago was on the Philly Sports Power Hour. Look at her now. She is going places. She does a great job covering the Sixers, the Eagles, does the play-by-play for the Blue Coats at times. So, Kayla, keep doing your thing because you're crushing it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And hopefully throughout the coming weeks, we're talking about possibly a Ron Rivera, Eric Bieniemy, or Frank Reich as coordinator. So it's going to be a crazy couple of weeks, I think, in the NFL and the NBA. There's so much moving. We already saw it in the last 48 hours. So it's a fun time to be in sports and to be able to analyze it at this level as well. Yeah, it should be fun. So have a good week, Kayla. Hopefully we'll talk next Wednesday. Thank you. Have a good one. That is Kayla Santiago. Always does a great job talking Sixers and Eagles with us. Love when she joins the show. And I see you guys in the chat. You love it too. So she'll keep coming to us every Wednesday. Spend a little time with Kayla Santiago. But now I want to turn it over to you guys because we got a few minutes left in the show. We know that this press conference between Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman is going to take place at 2.30 today. I told you what questions I would ask. Sirianni and Roseman. Kayla Santiago told you what questions she would ask Sirianni and Howie Roseman. So now I want to hear from you guys. If you were in the room, what is the question you are asking Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman? So I see this one coming in right now from Jim G. Why don't they use the running game more? And I'm going to pretend to be Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman here, and I'm going to answer Jim G, and I guarantee you they're going to say, you know, we got to look at everything, and we have to do a better job of getting our running game going and getting our running backs involved, and that's on me to do a better job of putting us in positions to make plays. I don't think you're going to hear, well, it's because it's our philosophy here in Philadelphia that you don't win games by running the football. And they just interviewed Cliff Kingsbury, offensive coordinator, potentially, well, We know he comes from the Mike Leach school of thought, which is you don't run the football. So if you thought the Eagles were pass happy this year, if they hire Cliff Kingsbury, expect all passes and a lot more wide receiver screens. So let's hope that doesn't happen. I see Annette saying, did I see the Britton Covey response? I did. We talked about it a little earlier. You might maybe late to the show of him saying that he never said Jalen Hurts was unapproachable. So we did talk about that as well. Let's see what else we got. Any other questions coming in? Twiz, this is an interesting one. How bad was Jalen's knee? Now, I don't know if they're going to give us anything on that. We still haven't heard that he's undergone any sort of procedure. A lot of us were waiting for that news to come out, that he was going to have some sort of clean out of that knee. But we'll keep monitoring that one. But that would be a good question. What else we got here? Yeah, this is the one that I asked earlier, Joshua Mullins. 
Are you, Howie, going to prioritize linebacker, cornerback, and safety in the draft? Now, I wouldn't want to know if he's going to change his philosophy on the linebacker position specifically because that was something that killed this defense all season long, not having good linebacker play. And you look around the NFL right now. You look at the teams who are remaining, and all of them are getting great linebacker play, none better than the 49ers and the Ravens with Fred Warner, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith. So I pray that they prioritize that linebacker position. But my concern is they're not going to take a linebacker at 22 overall in the draft. So if they do draft a linebacker in the second or third round, I don't know if that linebacker is going to be ready to step in and play this year. And if you go into the season with N'Kobe Dean, who we still don't know if he can play at the NFL level, and you go into the season with a rookie linebacker, to me, that doesn't answer the questions we have at the linebacker position. I would like to see them draft a young guy. But I also would like to see them go out in free agency and bring in a linebacker who could step right in and make a difference on this defense. And I agree with you about corner and safety. There is a corner that a lot of us have forgotten about that was a good move by Howie Roseman. If you remember earlier in the season, the Indianapolis Colts cut Isaiah Rogers, a good young corner, because he was suspended for the season due to gambling and the Eagles picked him up. So he's a young corner coming in next year. I'm hoping you see another year of growth from Keely Ringo, who played well in his rookie campaign. Eli Ricks, maybe, in his rookie campaign. You still got to make decisions about Darius Slay and James Bradbury. You also got to decide about Avante Maddox. Can you really bring back a guy who hasn't been able to stay healthy when he's carrying a $9 million cap hit? And don't forget, Zach McPherson will be coming back from that Achilles tear. So they do have some young talent at corner. It's just whether or not these guys develop. And then when we talk about safety, it looked like Sidney Brown was going to be a really good player. Unfortunately, tears his ACL. Will he be ready? So some question marks there. What else do we have here? I see from Stan Bruce. This was similar to what I wanted to ask as well. Will Nick be involved with the offense? And if not, what is he going to be doing as a head coach? Now, I still think Nick will be involved, but I would like him to give more autonomy to the offensive coordinator. You know, allow that offensive coordinator to have the autonomy to game plan the way he wants, to call plays the way he wants. So we will see. But I'm not opposed to Sirianni being a CEO coach. You've seen other teams have success with CEO coaches, two of them are in the championship game on Sunday. John Harbaugh is a CEO coach. He does not call plays. He does not call defensive plays. He's a CEO. Dan Campbell doesn't call the offensive plays, doesn't call the defensive plays. He's a CEO coach, so it can work. And there are arguments to be made that it's actually more effective to have a CEO coach who can have his finger on the pulse of the game and clock management and situational awareness. So we will see. They lack that this year, but that's something that I'd be okay with going forward. What else do we got here? This is a really good one. 
that I'm not sure they would answer. T. Lewis, Bird Gang, why do you think Jalen regressed this year? And I don't think there's any denying that Jalen Hurts was not the MVP caliber quarterback that he was last season. Maybe in the beginning of the year, but he really started to tail off. And what was the reasoning for that? I think a lot of it had to do with the game plan and the play calling and the designs of the routes. So whether or not they give us a straightforward answer, that is a good question. But we will see, guys. We're not going to have to wait much longer for this to come out. But whether or not they answer these questions straightforward, we will see. And I see there's a lot of good questions in the chat, but we are running out of time on the Power Hour. This hour flies by. Hopefully tomorrow we'll be able to break down some things that occurred at this press conference again today at 2.30. So I'll see you guys back here on the Power Hour tomorrow at 10, waiting on confirmation from our man Mark Farzetta. We're usually joined on Thursdays by Farzi, so hopefully we'll have him tomorrow. But like we end every Philly Sports Power Hour with a little Today in Sports History, well, you saw Reese Hoskins get his two-year, $34 million deal. Well, today, January 24th, 1950, Jackie Robinson signed the highest contract in Los Angeles Dodgers history for $35,000. The organization that just signed Otani to a $700 million deal Back in January 24, 1950, they signed Jackie Robinson to a record contract of 35000 How much times have changed when it comes to professional sports and contracts. But that's our Today in Sports History. That is our show. I will see you guys back here tomorrow. And make sure you're following me on all your social media platforms. I'm posting daily content. I'm sure I'll be posting some videos after that press conference today as well. So follow me on Twitter, at Bill Calarulo. Follow me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Follow me everywhere. Engage with me. I'll try to respond when I can. Guys, have a great day. Appreciate you spending this hour. And as always, go Birds. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze. And the Oz. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.